terms. And I depart from one work to another and from one group of thoughts to another. What should I do? For I am troubled and my soul is greatly littled, humbled. And Abbas Armada said to him, Sit in your cell and whatever you can do, do. And, trouble, and don't trouble yourself. For I wish you to do now a little even as did Abba Antony in the mountain. And I believe that by sitting in your cell for the sake of the name of God, that you will also be found in the same place as St. Antony. Another, the blessed Antony never deemed it right to do that which was convenient for himself to the same extent as that which was profitable for his neighbor. Abba Mathus used to say that there were three brethren who were in the habit of coming to Abba Antony, and the two of them used to ask him questions about thoughts and about life and redemption and discretion or discernment of the soul, while the third one held his peace continually. And after a long time, Abba Antony said to him, Brother, you've come here every year and you don't ask anything. And he answered and said, It is sufficient for me to see you. So, what I'm hoping you get from this is, is the legacy of, of Antony, is that even the memory of Antony um, was enough to give people inspiration for generations after he lived. Right? And to the point where even those who had lived to see him, I, I, can, I can relate to this site where he, the person says, I don't have anything to ask, it's enough for me to watch you. Right? Is this is what the image of holiness is. And that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. Is that the call to holiness is not a monastic call. The call to holiness is for every Christian, for every human being. Right? This is why God said, be holy even as your Father in heaven is holy. And hopefully you can understand through all the stuff we've talked about what that image looks like. And what really is going on in a person who is holy is that they're becoming more and more like God, right? Is that this is what's unique to humanity. Last year we started with this and this year I'll end with it, right? Is that the whole point of our creation was to live in relationship with God. That was the whole point. God didn't need to make us. God didn't have to make us. God didn't make us to be his slaves or to be his, his yes men or people who just sit there and praise him, right? He wanted from us a relationship and he uniquely gave to man what he didn't give to animals, which is a rational spirit, his own image and likeness, which means that we were meant to be holy. That it's not, it's not an aspiration. It's not just a, a, an ambition. It's not something that is like a cool thing to consider if I have time, okay? It's that this is your actual identity. And what these people have done before us is recover that identity, right? Is that they've been able to get through the garbage and the junk and the stuff that we've accumulated through our bad decisions, through our environments, through both interior and exterior issues, to come back to the image and likeness of God. We call this theosis, right? We call it... Um, deification, we call it um, the image and likeness of God. That is, that is our whole purpose of life. And that the more that I attain this image and likeness, the more that His grace abides in me. And this is where the spiritual gifts come from, right? This is why there are people who can know the future, that can have whatever abilities, um, but they're also why people are virtuous. It's not just the supernatural gifts, but it's also the things that are against human nature. It's human instinct to want to take revenge. It's human instinct to want to have um, food to the fullest. It's human instinct to want to act on our anger. These are things that are, that are instinctual, but we're not animals, right? And we have the ability to rise above that, right? Nobody's upset when a lion devours 
um, it's prey, right? Nobody's going to raise a lawsuit and say that's uh, a human rights violation, an animal rights violation, because we understand that they're animals. But we would for a human, because we understand that we're called to be far above that. So Anthony exemplified holiness in everything that he did. People converted just by seeing Anthony, right? And I see this legacy in, in his disciples. Just to look at his face was enough to bring people joy and to send them home comforted um, and to feel like they could fight again. The elders, as we talked about, this is just a recap, rejoiced when they saw him, right? The elders of, of his city were, were happy when they saw him. And it's holiness that allows us to hear the voice of God, right? Many of us complain that we don't hear God's voice. And usually the reason why you can't is because your heart is so full of anything other than God, right? And when there's something other than Him there, you're going to hear yourself more than you're going to hear God. And because of that, we have to be purified, right? We have to seek this holiness in order to be able to have this, this open communication um, with Him. And the means of holiness are many, right? There is not one way to holiness. That's why um, St. Paul says, you have taught us the ways of salvation. That's why in the liturgy we say the ways of salvation, is that there's many. Discipleship, we saw in the life of Antony, that's a means of holiness. The Bible is a means of holiness, right? We saw in Antony, Antony to me is, is the perfection of Christianity, right? But Antony had all of these in him, right? Every time that Antony was tempted, every time that there was an issue, he had his Bible ready. He just, he was spewing forth answers from the Bible, Holiness is found through solitude, through meditation, right? Through coming to ourselves from reflection. Holiness comes through prayer, conversing with God. Holiness comes by cutting off my will. Holiness comes by struggling for virtue. And finally, holiness comes by grace, right? Is that by the end of it that our, our Lord crowns our, our work with his grace. And I want to emphasize to you all that holiness is best achieved in your true calling, Right? Is that that's something that all of you need to discern, right? Is what is my calling? And people think that callings are just the monastic calling and the priesthood calling and, and monasticism in general. But there are other callings other than that, right? Is that there are places that God sometimes wants us to be. There are people where He says, No, wherever you go, you'll be fulfilling my will. And there are people where God specifically picks them up from one place and sends them to another. And, it, and if you're not on the root of your calling, you're not going to find your full potential, right? Which is why it's important for you to examine your will and ask yourself, am I even looking for where God wants me? Um, or am I stagnant where I am? Or am I just choosing something because it's comfortable, right? It's not, it's not a comfortable route to get up and leave, but there's a joy in it when there's communion um, with God. By following where the will of God takes you, then you're most likely to be able through struggle and grace to get to holiness again. If you've been far from holiness, it's achievable. Holiness is, is again, it's, it's freely offered to all. And your holiness is the way that you can win others to Christ. It's not going to be through the conversations, right? Even when you look at how Anthony dealt with the philosophers and the pagans, he didn't waste his breath, right? He didn't sit there talking about useless things because the point was very clear in front of him but it was this holiness that allowed him to lead others to christ right and to be able to teach other people right is that holiness becomes a source of of teaching and if you're a holy person you'll find that the love of the world um, dies in you and that the love of yourself 
dies in you because holiness is the opposite of both of those things. Holiness is not something that's self-seeking. Holiness is being godlike, and God is love. It's not a cheesy thing, and love is self-denial, right? That's why the image of God is a God who sacrifices himself, who makes people he doesn't need to make, who suffers with the people that he doesn't have to suffer with, right? Who brings himself to our level, literally, right, to raise us up. This is all self-denial, right? This is why we say God emptied himself and took the form of a servant. So if you want to attain holiness, you have to be at the feet of everybody else around you. If you see yourself as more important or more valuable than anybody else, or if your time comes before everyone else and your thoughts and your ego and your opinions and your stances and your positions, the, the, the me that's inside of each of us, you're far from holiness, but it is attainable. But knowing that, that holiness is to deny yourself is a huge part of, of, the, bat, of the battle. And another sign of holiness, as we've seen Anthony, is moderation, right? A person who is holy is a person who is not easily excitable, right? They don't get overly emotional. They're not going to be crazy excited or crazy depressed. They're stable, right? They're like Anthony coming out of his cell after 20 years of solitude, where he is neither jumping for joy that he gets to see people, nor is he miserable that there are people in front of him, right? He's simply Anthony, right? He is who he is. He is himself. And that's why he's able to find God. And something that Antony instructed us that's very important is that virtue, right, which are the signs, the fruits of holiness, are already in you. Okay, we sometimes talk about virtue as something that I need to struggle to acquire as though it's an external thing, right? As though if I do this, I can get my patience, I can get these other things. Whereas what Antony says is the opposite. Because you're in the image and likeness of God, God already is within you, and the fullness of virtue is within you. But instead, he emphasizes that you need to recover that, right? It's, a, it's the opposite way of to go deeper inwardly, okay, to find it. By knowing yourself, you know God, that God is within you, okay, but also recovering your image um, and likeness. And this holiness is what can change the church, Right, is that you guys are responsible. We had conversations last night and we've had random ones about the future of the church and all the, the difficulties that we're facing. <coughs> if you're not holy, then you're responsible for the lack of Christianity, not just outside of the church, but within the church. Because what you might not realize is that your spiritual life is not just your own. Your spiritual life belongs to the whole community. And if one person is struggling, the whole body suffers. When St. Paul said this, he wasn't just being like fluffy. Okay? He was talking about something real. Because the way that we approach our God, our seriousness with it, shows whether we really believe what we believe or not. But when we make it acceptable to fall short, actually not to say to fall short, but to be short, then what we're saying is that this isn't real to us. right? If we say to each his own, then we're not exhorting each other to fulfill our callings as Christians. So don't be surprised that when you're living a double life because you're not really into it, that when others see you, they are not seeing holiness, right? And when they are not seeing holiness, how are they going to develop a conviction about it? This is something that all of us have felt. I think all of us can probably imagine or remember somebody who we saw in our lives that really affected us, somebody whose image that, that we saw. 
for me, it was St. Anthony's Monastery that really did that for me, right? It was to see holiness in a live way um, when I was struggling with doubt was enough to change my life, to see that this is real to somebody, right? But those of us who have been treating Christianity as a system, right, and as a set of rules and as just a philosophical way of life, that's not real, right? And Antony's all about realness. Holiness is, is a real thing. But when, when you see somebody who embodies this with joy, where it's just like, okay, he's not miserable, right? When you see a bunch of monks where it's like, wow, they sorry to be very secular, they're not having sex, they have no money, right? And they're locked up in these walls. What's there to be happy about, <laughs> right? Like, like on a secular level, it's, it's, it's retarded, okay? But when you see that something is very real about them, that they're very alive, right? And that there's a joy in it, and that it's not a superficial thing, that they didn't have to be there, they could leave if they wanted, right? That all these things, but yet willingly they were doing it, it shows that there's something real, because there's something that they've denied that they didn't need to deny, which is love, right? To deny myself is love. These are people who were in love, right? And we've seen it in his disciples. Why do you think Abun al-Azariz from his cave in Egypt is affecting so many people in the world? It's because he's holy, right? Like I've said many times, I think if Abun al-Azariz were to spend just like a few weeks in the diocese, he wouldn't even need to give like formal lectures. We'd need to have a retreat for him. If he just sat in one place for one month, I don't think we'd have a single atheist youth in the Diocese of Los Angeles. Because anybody who sits with him can see the presence of God in him. Okay? And holiness casts light around everyone who's around them. Right? Where in sitting in his presence, you see the face of Christ. Right? Him and other monks of, of his monastery that I won't go into details about. Where they illumine you. They show you where you're dark or they show you where your mistakes are and yet you're not uncomfortable. This is how Christ was. Right? Christ... Even though he sat with sinners, the sinners were happy to be in his presence, right? They didn't feel judged by him. And yet they were aware of themselves by being in these people's presences. So his legacy, Antony's legacy, is seen in his disciples. And we are supposed to be disciples to them. And we are all supposed to disciple people, not in a presumptuous way, but in, in a real way. And so Antony, who looked forward to our generation, gives two pieces of advice that I want to leave with you guys, maybe three. Um, the first is to live today, okay, is that Antony's like, quotes almost all center around death, and people think that that's a morbid thing, but his fixation on death is more that you might use your life properly, right? If I think, as he said, that I will not live to the morning, and in the morning I think I might not live to the night, it means that I'm going to use my day properly, right? When he says that a man's greatest might is to put his death before him, to put his, his sins before him, to expect temptation till the end. When he says that today, he kept on emphasizing the word today, and he would quote a verse about today. He wants us to realize that we have to live in the present moment, not to spend our lives looking either backwards or forwards. Because you cannot make the future. You cannot predict the future. You have no idea what's going to happen. And the past is already completed. So what are you going to do about it? The most that I can do is please the Lord and live the will of God today. Right? What is the right thing to do at this moment? And in our warfare, you'll find that this helps you immensely. If you think, oh, I'm going to conquer this sin by such and such time, or I can't believe I'm still doing this, you're not going to make it anywhere. 
right? But if I continually in the present moment be in the presence of God and I continually in the present moment think about what is right and holy, then I'm making a decision for right now. I'm not making a decision for tomorrow. I'm not making a decision for my friend. I'm making a decision for me right now, which is why it is invaluable for us to keep our minds today. Because the more that your mind is outside today, the less happy you're going to be. Right? If, you, if you think in a very just practical way, what makes a person unhappy? A person is unhappy when they want something that they don't have. Very simply. Right? But if you are happy with what you have, your mind is nowhere other than the present. If you're in your car and you wish to be with somebody else, you're going to be annoyed that you're in your car. If you are at Bible study and you wish you're playing like sports with the guys, you'll be unhappy. If you are with your friends and you wish you're praying, you're not going to be happy till you're praying. But if you instead say, where am I right now? And how do I benefit where I am right now? How do I gain from this? And how do I make this moment be with God? Then I'm happy where I am, right? And that's why these holy men are so stable. Right is that they don't they don't fret over changes. Right, they're not easily moved emotionally because they say, whatever has happened has happened. This is where I am. How do I make this mean something? So focus on um, the moment. Abba Anthony used to say, "Behold, the time shall come to the children of men, when they shall become crazy, and they shall turn aside and depart from the fear of God. And if they see a man who is neither as mad nor as silly as they are." They shall rise up against him, saying, You are both mad and crazy, because he is not like them. I think um, that that is our generation. Um, and it's comforting that he left us that advice from so long ago, right? Because it is comforting to know that this was, that this was foreseen. And it's something that we need to pass off to those that we serve and those that are, are just friends, right? Of holding fast to the faith that we do have to be concerned about one another, right? That Anthony bothered to tell us about it because he cared about where we are, that we need to be in the same place. And I think the final thing that I want to say is be real, right? This is, to me, like if you want something like and the Antonian way, okay, is Antonians are real. There's no darwasha, okay? There's no fake stuff. There's no fluff, all right? In real life, we're humans. We have vices, we have virtues. There are good things about us, there are bad things about us. Sometimes we suck, sometimes we're all right, okay? But be real at all times. Anthony was never trying to be someone else. Anthony was never trying to take on the personality of another person. Anthony was Anthony, and he achieved holiness as Anthony, okay? Know your weaknesses. Right? And that's why he says your greatest strength is to put your weakness before you. Right? If you know your weakness, you'll know what you can't handle. Be real with yourself. If you know that going to a certain place is a problem for you, okay, and it might not be a problem to your friends, okay, well, be real about you. Do you want to be holy or not? This is something that you can't handle. Right? Is there a gift that you have? Don't be like, oh, no, 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 I have nothing. No, you don't have any gift because you are amazing. Okay, you have a gift because it was given to you. Okay, so be real, right? And use it to the glory of God. There's nothing to boast about it. Like St. Paul says, well, what do I have that I did not receive? Right, so there's nothing wrong with identifying that there's a place where you flourish. That's why he was able to flourish, because he knows where am I strong and where am I weak? 
right? What brings me great joy? What helps me to grow in the love of God? And what doesn't, right? If I'm not a patristic person and I sit there trying to read St. Gregory Nazianzen for four hours, good luck to you, okay? If that's not you, it's not you, right? You can benefit from the person who understands it, who can maybe give you what they benefited from it because we all have different gifts. Maybe your gift is going to be out doing community service. Wonderful. That is not a lesser love, right? In fact, it's possibly a greater love, right? But we are, we together form the community. We together bring our gifts to the same table to glorify God as one body. Nobody should be functioning independently. But until we get that sense of reality, okay, then it's going to be hard for us to really grow in the spiritual life. Anthony grew and flourished because he didn't hold himself to some weird standard, right? He didn't put a standard of holiness. He just wanted God, right? He pursued God with honesty as he was in his own being, in his own self. And in doing this, truly, he was um, saved. Um, and I'll just end with his advice to us, all of us, um, and actually end at that point. So after certain days, he went in again to the mountain, and henceforth many resorted to him, and others who were suffering ventured to go in. To all the monks, therefore, who came in, he continually gave this commandment. Believe on the Lord and love him. Keep yourself from filthy thoughts and fleshly pleasures, as is written in the Proverbs, be not deceived by the fullness of the flesh. Pray continually. Avoid vainglory and being conceited. Sing psalms before sleep and on waking. Hold in your heart the commandment of Scripture. Be mindful of the works of the saints, that your souls being put in remembrance of the commandments may be brought into harmony with the zeal of the saints. And that way you can change the world like this teenager from Venezuela did. And glory to God forever and ever. Any final questions or anything before we uh, wrap up?